Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is Meditation and Mindfulness with Rabbi Adam Klickfeld. Two mini frames for this meditation. One that might become a more common frame for more of my meditations, and that is a notion that I think I shared last week, at least once, this wonderful idea by neuroscientist and mindfulness practitioner Sam Harris, that maybe one of the more important sentences we can think about in terms of what it is to live in the human condition, and that is, you are not your next thought. You are not your next thought, which when Sam Harris says it, he means it on several levels. On one level, he means it from a, from a, without getting too deep into the rabbit hole, from a perspective of determinism that, that, that the molecules in our body are, are, are reacting to laws of physics that are beyond our control. And on some level, every next step in even what we think about is just a natural extension from where the molecules had been before that. Or before that, if you want to take a more developmental understanding of it, that so many forces before we were conscious, conscious were producing um, experiences for us. And since all of them combine into ourselves in this moment, you know, things our parents said to us and did to us when we were two are part of what our mind is today and help producing what the next thought is that whatever our next thought is, it's not entirely us, right? We're going to be experiencing it, but we're not necessarily producing it. You can't, it's very hard to truly consciously produce a thought on your own. And the reason why that's helpful in meditation is because it allows us to be a little bit detached from a thought and try to create or conjure a self that is um, curious about the thoughts that are bubbling up, but are not, not entirely um, defined by them and, and entirely claimed by them. So I'm going to be using that a lot in upcoming meditations. And then in somewhat, some way contradicting it by having to try to engineer a thought that you're going to, that you might have, because I want some of these meditations to have a specific focus. So I know that these two things are mutually exclusive. You are not your next thought. And here, here's what I want you to be thinking about uh, in the meditation, uh, a scene from Parshat B'Shalach, which is what we're in right now with, uh, Moshe up on the mountain while the Israelites are fighting Amalek down at the bottom of the mountain and Aaron and Hur are holding up Moshe's hands like this. Uh, And the the Torah says that whenever Moshe's hands were up, the fighters would be successful down below. And when their hands were down, his hands were down, they would not be successful. And the Mishnah understands that to mean that the reason why the battle was more successful down at the bottom of the mountain when Moshe's hands were up, which is why they had to be propped up is because when they looked up and they saw Moshe feeling, looking confident, looking up towards the heavens, that, that confidence coursed through them down in the Valley. Um, They got inspiration from Moshe's uh, feeling or, or, or seeming to be not beleaguered and weary, but rather full of vigor. And I want us to, meditate a little bit about who and what are the causes of such inspirations for us. Where, where does our vigor come from? It's not just how many hours of sleep we get. Where does our vigor come from? So uh, 
okay, I go into a meditation where whatever thought you are going to be having over and over again in the meditation, that does not define you. And yet I'm also going to encourage you to try to produce certain thoughts that will be um, a coloring, a, a tinting of the meditative experience. Okay. With that in mind, I invite you to close your eyes. And even if it doesn't mean shifting a muscle because you're already in the position, try to reclaim this position as intentional. Your body and your limbs in the position they are in, not simply because it happened to end up that way, but because you want it very intentionally to be that you're sitting in this position, in this room, holding this shape as you feel gravity's pull upon your body down into the ground underneath your feet, the chair or cushion underneath your body, such that you experience the interplay between the body and everything it's contacting as real and intimate, more than merely functional. And if you haven't already, try to have as little tone as possible in the muscles that are not specifically needed to hold this shape. There are microfibers and micromuscles that are constantly at work, but writ large, aside from your spine holding up your torso, let everything else hang and sag and descend and fall into a supple mode. Your shoulders down low in their sockets. Your furrow, your brow unfurrowed and unlined. Even your eyes and your eye sockets and your eyeballs as light and as limp as they can be. Your mouth slightly open with no tension in your jaw, radiating a sense of ease everywhere in your body as we achieve or attempt to achieve poised rest. To use the other phrase we use on occasion, you invite yourself to repose in yourself. You're finding repose, rest, reclamation of spirit, but where? In yourself. Repose in yourself. And I want you to be at least slightly aware 
that you're half producing and half just aware of the production of thoughts and images in your mind, either in response to my voice or the natural engine factory that keeps producing them into your consciousness. And any one of them, whether it's one that you beckoned, one that you chose, one that came unbidden, a thought or an image that is pleasant, but you've had enough of it, or noxious and you can't wait to let it go. Any of them can be imagined as a thought, which is a helium balloon that you can just release and watch it disappear until the next one bubbles up from where we don't really know. But just notice you apart from those thoughts. You as an observer of them in addition to being organically connected to them. You are not your next thought. There is a you that is separate from your next thought. Now let's sit with that for a few moments. Trying as much as possible to release every thought as soon as it arrives. Having each thought linger in your mind, in your active mind, as briefly as possible. A thought that appears and is caught and is released. Appears and caught and released. None of them lingering long enough to have a claim on your active thinking released almost immediately after your awareness of their presence. And since that very process can itself feel relentless and stressful, because the thoughts come at such a great pace. Just try, and I know this is a paradox, to slow down that rapid release. That would be without frenzy, but just every time something new, release. You're almost more aware of the releasing than you are of any of the content of any individual thought. It is the emptying of your mind that occupies more than the constant refilling it.
I want you to imagine that you are observing that scene I described with Moshe. Aaron and Hur holding up his arms. The Israelites looking up. And seeing them. And feeling vigor. Transcending space. Observing another's confidence hands up, strength, vitality, connectedness to the Holy One. And that impacting you, your own life force strengthened by what you observe in another. There are people and moments who sap our life force. And there are people and moments that stimulate it and energize it. And now that you have mostly a cleared mind, into that empty space, let anything flow in that represents for you a person, a moment, an experience that when you see it, observe it, focus on it, you are lifted, strengthened, more ready, more prepared. Who or what is the engine for your revitalization? For if those people or those moments are clear in your mind, it becomes a map, a destination for you to find again and again. so that you are constantly on a path to having your energy be resuscitated, your nishama uplifted, your sense of what is potential strengthened.
when you are ready, and maybe even if you're not ready, to leave that cocoon, I invite you to open your eyes. And we'll say this closing prayer together. And then go back to our day. Maybe a tiny bit energized by what we experience both together and inside the expanse of our own mind. We read this three times. May we and all beings have happiness in the causes of happiness. May we all be free of suffering and the causes of suffering. May we all experience true happiness that has no taint of suffering. May we live in great equanimity, free from burdening attachment to loved ones and contempt for others, but rather with compassion for all. May we and all beings have happiness in the causes of happiness. May we all be free of suffering in the causes of suffering. May we all experience true happiness that has no taint of suffering. May we live in great equanimity, free from burdening attachment to loved ones and contempt for others, but rather with compassion for all. May we and all beings have happiness in the causes of happiness. May we all be free of suffering in the causes of suffering. May we all experience true happiness that has no taint of suffering. May we live in great equanimity, free from burdening attachment to loved ones and contempt for others, but rather with compassion for all. I say to you all shalom and namaste. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.